Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. This morning is a busy one in the Meyer family. Um, we have this, this morning church. Ronnie was already picked up at about 9 o'clock to head up to North Manchester for a softball tournament that Alyssa led worship and then is peeling off to take off to the tournament to see her. After the service, I'm hoping that they win so that I can catch another game up there uh, to turn around and come back to take Judah to Taylor University's basketball camp. And then Ronnie is going up to Quaker Haven camp later tonight um, to do their camp up there. So, yeah, we're just going to catch each other probably sometime tomorrow. Um, But anyway, it's fun when there's good things happening um, in the life of the church. And so... This morning, I want to talk to our church family on just some super practical things that we can be everything that Jesus has wanted us to be. When you get this vision of what it could be and then making the practical steps to become that. Did anybody go on the garden tour this last, it was yesterday? Yep, plenty of people. You went around, driving around. I saw several of you driving around. Um, But there is a vision of what you want your yard to look like, right? Yesterday, I was able to go to to Dennis and Pam Caudell's and see them. And Pam had this vision that Dennis had to pull off. That was kind of how it worked out. (laughs) So she was the visionary. Dennis was the maintenance guy is what he called himself. Um, And the biggest miracle of all after doing this garden tour, and they put months and months of work into it, is that they're still married and that they're sitting beside each other this morning. They powered through, man. They did it. Um, But I'll tell you, walking into their backyard, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want a deck like that. I want flowers. I want my landscaping like this. Um, It was just super fun to be able to see something like that. And so great job to you guys. And they're here this morning serving. Dennis is on the elevator. And and, uh, it's just fun to see that sort of a thing. But when you've got a vision and you're able to start working it out and have some super practical steps to start to become the reality of that vision. The story goes there was two ladies that were high school graduates. They graduated together. And 50 years later at their high school reunion, has anybody had their 50th high school reunion in here? You know what it's about, okay? Gee whiz, half the church, okay. Uh, then you'll appreciate this story. So they come together, and one lady says to the other, she says, in school you were so well-planned, and you knew what the next steps were on what you wanted to do with life. So how did it work out? And did you, did you practically walk out those next steps? She goes, oh, yeah. Take my marriage, for example. She said, in my first marriage, I married a millionaire. In my second marriage, I, I married an, an actor. In my third marriage, I married a preacher. And then in my fourth marriage, I married an undertaker. And so, well, how does that practically work out in the fact that you were well-planned on your next step? She said, well, one was for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. <laughs> she had a vision, man, and she practically walked out the next steps to get ready, right? She had a great time while she was here and then ends up in heaven. 
And so, if we could start to get some super practical steps, because the vision is Jesus. We want to become more and more like him, right? And so, so in Romans, it would say it this way. It would say that you've been called and predestined to become conformed to the image of the Son. So this is the goal. This is the vision. We want to become like the Son of God. And there's some conforming that takes place. This weekend, we made slime. So you pour a bunch of glue into a bucket, and then you mix like contact solution, and then you do, there's a lot of grandmas, you know what this is about. A lot of moms in there. Yeah, it stains all of our clothes, and you know, and then you got to mix in some baking powder and, I don't know, laundry detergent. You do all this sort of stuff, and then you get this... You get this slime, and you've got to conform it. You, it's, it needs some outside influences on it in order to get it to what you want it to do. And you've got to squeeze it and press it and break it down in order for it to become what you want it to become. And I'll tell you, for us as a church family, the goal is to become like Jesus. You won't just waltz in, and it happens on accident. It happens with a ton of intentionality by putting the right ingredients, having a vision, systematically start walking out some steps that we know are going to make us more and more like him. And so I think that all of us can find ourselves in different transitional seasons of life. Maybe you're in a big transitional season where you're like, man, I had practical steps. I was a go-getter when I had my job and my career, and I'm retired. I'm just kind of at the end, and... Kind of my goal is to make sure that I don't miss Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. Um, what does what my next season look like? What's the next step for me? Maybe you're at the beginning of your career. and like, man, phew, all the steps are, are in front of me. What's the next one that I need to make? I mean, we've got both ends of the spectrum. Maybe you're in that midlife thing and you're like, I've been at this thing for, you know, at the same career maybe for a couple decades, been grinding it out. Man, is there, is there something new? So there's these questions and they're fun, exploratory questions. And so we don't want to get overwhelmed by some, some anxiety or we don't want to, you know, it really depends on how you can negotiate and maneuver through some confusion, through, through the ambiguous, that we don't really know what it looks like, but we're trusting the one who does. And so we just continue to take some practical steps forward. And we don't want to just kind of kick it into vacation mode or retirement mode. And so I just check out of continually pursuing to become more and more like him. And so what transition seasons do we find us in? Steps to becoming more and more like Jesus. Maybe one of the steps could be this. And it's not so much vision of who I want to become, but I know who I'm not. And I need to start taking some steps to, to get accountability in my life where there's areas of sin and there's some hard some hard conversations, and I need to take a step in accountability. I need to take a step in freeing myself from this addiction. Whatever those little steps could be, that's where we want to start moving toward. Anybody remember whenever you, if, if you've had kids, when you were first teaching them how to take their first steps? You know what that was like, or you've seen it, or you've been, you know, the big aunt and now grandparents or whatever, aunt, uncle, you've seen it. Whenever the baby's taking first steps, do you feel like the biggest cheerleader on the planet? You're like, yeah, 
And the biggest idiot at the same time. Yeah, come on, baby. And, and also, you like the paparazzi. You're like taking pictures like crazy. They're going like, what in the world is happening? And I just wonder if they had like a mature mindset. Like, okay, I'm going to take these wobbly steps. And you look like an idiot. And they start walking towards you. And I can't help but believe that God is not sitting back grading our paper on next steps as much as he is the champion. Come on. Let's go. You can do this. I'm inviting you into a better story. I'm inviting you past that wall of fear. There's something great on the other side. Come on. Let's go. God, I'm, I'm a little wobbly and my diaper's hanging off sideways and I'm going to make it. And he's like, I know, but come on, we'll clean you up. Let's get there. Instead of seeing a God that's ruling over you with, with the ruler, he's going to crack your knuckles on the desk, that he's just waiting for you to mess up. I think he's just inviting us into a, a deeper story. And I think he's just inviting us into something more and more that looks like him. And that probably looks like a lot of things that's not just life to consume it upon ourselves, but in many ways it's touching others around us. Many times it's going to look like reaching out to the least of these, to the, to the poor, to the, to the widow, like, like you know those that are imprisoned as it talks about there um, uh, as Jesus was doing his Sermon on the Mount. Like, we see these sorts of people, and so it's not just to consume our lives upon ourselves, but Jesus, what are some next steps that I can start taking that my life will be an impact to those around me? read this story. It's about a North Carolina doctor who's in his residency program, and he's talking to a lady who is terminally ill. And while she's terminally ill, she begins just to pour her heart out to this doctor. As the doctor listens to the story, he, is, he bases all of life on reason and science, because that's his training. And so she is telling him that she's going into this full of faith and sharing her heart and her love for the Lord. That God is, is my provider, God is my healer, God's going to show up and, and deliver me and heal me. And this guy would go home each night thinking about this woman, thinking, there's no way. She's terminally ill. We just don't have the medicine for this. She's, she's going to die. And every day he goes back in there, and this, this woman just continues to love on him. And she gets worse and worse and worse, sharing her faith. It eventually comes to the realization that she knows that her healer is not going to rescue her. And she still goes to bed, loving Jesus and loving on this doctor every night. Because it's not that we don't have to go through hard things, it's that we can still go through hard things trusting him that he's walking us through, right? He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. And so he's going to walk us through this. And so what was amazing is this doctor, he says, I can't, I can't, this, this is messing with me. And it's throwing his faith into this transition. Something has happened where it's launched him to no longer continue to do what he do, does or to think the way that he thinks. He starts to launch out into a different mindset. And he goes, how can I, being a perfect body, not be able to sleep at night because I'm so restless? And how can this woman who is terminally ill sleep with peace, knowing that she is about to die, but it's all good? He couldn't handle it. So let me tell you how the end of this story goes. This is the story of Francis Collins, one of our generation's leading scientific authorities. Not only did he go on from that North Carolina residency program to lead the five research teams that mapped the human genome, the most significant scientific discovery of our lifetime, 
but he also held one of the longest directorships in history of the National Institutes of Health, appointed to the role first by President Obama and then reappointed by President Trump. His faith decisions became a significant turning point, one that not only shaped his life, but by virtue of his leadership roles in the decades since, the lives of many others. I want to be, if I can, this woman laying in the hospital bed that wants to fill you so full of hope that it messes with you. You ever had hope just mess with you? And to give you a vision of what it would be like to not go to bed restless every night, but to fall asleep with peace and joy, knowing that you're living out what you've been called to do. And as this doctor had an encounter with Jesus, he goes on to be one of the leading science guys, I guess they're called scientists, in the nation, so much so that it gains the attention of presidents. This morning, what are the next steps that we want to practically start thinking? Whenever I am making transitions in life, maybe I'm getting on an on-ramp, maybe I'm getting on an exit ramp, maybe I'm, take, you know, I'm, I'm making a turn, what's helpful for me is some sort of a roadmap. I need a, a, a map guide. I need some resources to help me to get to where I'm going. One of them is people. I got to have some really good people in my life, people who are much wiser, friends to encourage me. Another great resource is, is books or podcasts, things that are constantly helping and equipping. I would encourage you with this. Have just a couple people that you could come before and just say, hey, I'm not looking for census. I'm not really taking a vote, but I am looking for a friend. And I just need a friend just to kind of talk and process life and just kind of where I'm at. And I just know that there's more. And if there's, if there's oxygen in my lungs, there's more purpose for my life. And I just don't want to kick back and, you know, just kind of check out and sail off into the sunset. What is it that God still could utilize me for? Perhaps you're at the beginning and you're like, God, what is it that you've got for me? What is it? What's the next step that you have? What is the next step to becoming more and more like you, Jesus? Maybe I need to show up on Wednesdays at noon and start to pray and to fast. Maybe I need to engage in a women's group on, on Wednesday nights and say that's the place. Maybe I need to come to men's group on Saturday mornings. Maybe I need to engage the presence a little bit deeper on Sunday mornings and just start going there to another place. What are those things? But for me, it's, it's people, and I can start processing with people. And I, I just need the right people in my corner to say, hey, here's where I'm at. And I also just, I just only want to be told what to do, but I want to be told who I am. And so whenever I, whenever I know who I am, behavior flows out of identity. And so when I know who I am, they're like, you know, maybe you're just struggling in your marriage and somebody speaks identity. You are faithful. You're a faithful man. <sighs> okay, I know what to do. I know what to do. Hey, you know what? You're a disciple maker when it comes to your kids. That's who you are. Okay, yep, I'm a disciple maker. My next step, I know what to do. I need to know what to do. Hey, you know who you are? You are the number one life giver. I'll do this. I'll just sit in my car right before I go into a meeting or I'll go into a place and I'll say, okay, what's my identity here? What's my role? Okay, I'm the number one life giver. Okay, I start getting that identity washed over me. Okay, that's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. I know my next step is behavior. Okay, I'm coming in. I'm bringing the life. I'm bringing the energy. I'm bringing the encouragement. Okay, who am I? Who am I? And I just need some people. You need some people, not only just to control you, to tell you what to go do, but to speak life and to tell you who you are. So start auditing those, those relationships and be intentional. Hey, 
You know me. Will you start will you start speaking to me? Who am I? What am I good at? What are my gifts? What are my skill sets? And then I'll know some next steps to start taking. I'll tell you for grandparents, I'll I'll encourage you with this. Could you be like the best letter writers ever? And you know what? You can sit and maybe the grandkids are spread all over the nation and you just start writing letters and pouring your heart out and loving. Because I also encourage this. When you start thinking legacy, sit in front of a video camera or in front of a voice recorder and just start giving personal messages to your kids and grandkids. They'll have it forever. You'll have it forever. These, this is who you are. You're the encourager. You're the life giver. You're the legacy thinker. You're, you're thinking in ways that's going to bless for generations and generations to come. I also do this sometimes whenever I'm sitting with somebody, maybe just kind of go through my dashboard. Remember about a month ago, we did that dashboard. Say, man, I'm just kind of running low on some gas here, or my RPMs are just through the roof. I'm getting some kind of heart rates just flying, you know, the anxiety and the stress, you know, the worry of life. And when we can sit and just say, hey, can we just do a quick dashboard? And on a scale of one to 10, you know, this is where my joy level is. This is where my frustration level is. And these people can help process with me. And then I can kind of start seeing some of the next steps that I need to begin to take. One big podcast for me is this podcast called Dream Big by Bob Goff. If you want to pull out your phone right now, pull up your podcast app or whatever it is you do, subscribe to this. Start back at season one. Bob Goff is the happiest guy on the planet, second only to Jesus. This guy is full of joy, and he brings me joy just listening. He doesn't necessarily interview people as much as he just has conversations with friends. And he just has conversations about what's going on in life, and they're just always powerful. The cool part is that all of his friends are like stud muffins, right? They're like film producers and authors and, you know, all of these amazing people. But they just talk about what are these next steps that when you began to dream with God, how did I get to from, from where I am to where he wants me to be going? The next one is a book called Hinge Moments. Kathy, this is the new president, Michael Lindsay. He's the new president of Taylor University, and he's, his new book is called Hinge Moments. Let me break this down. A hinge, I'm looking at this door right here. It has a couple hinges on it. The purpose of a hinge is to help a door uh, have, give access it's a place of transition. It's a place that, that opens or closes doors. A, a hinge keeps that door on the frame, right? And it's a place where we can move and, and where we pivot. And there are these pivot moments in our lives. It's a new career. It's a new relationship. It's a new whatever is going on. Maybe you're just at the, at the beginning. You're like, God, what's that career? What's that? Do I need to go back to school? And as we see these, these, these pivot moments, these hinge moments, we're saying, God, we want these doors that, that, that you can open doors that no man can shut. You can shut doors that no man can open. You can keep these hinges swinging. And here's the deal is sometimes that door stays open for a long time. These doors have been open all morning, and they'll stay open for a long time, a couple more hours. At some point, the door is going to close. And when the door closes on a season of life, you wish you would have maximized the moment that that hinge pivoted for you. And sometimes doors are only open for so long. The Bible would say it this way. It says that the glory of the young man is in his strength. The glory of the old man is in his gray hair or in his wisdom. Don't you wish that you could put your strength and your wisdom together at the same time? 
Usually you're young and full of strength and you're just an idiot. And then you get really smart and you don't have any energy to do it. You're like, oh man, I really want to go do some things. I have all of the answers and I can't get it done. Well, what that talks about is there's these windows of time, right? Our strength is going to fail at some point. Moments only last for, not all things last for all of eternity. There's certain moments that we've got to seize these transitional times. A couple of scriptures that are helpful for me whenever I'm wanting to take some next steps. Psalm 37, 23, I got this picture of these scriptures. It says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Isaiah 30, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. See, a few of our youngers in here, and man, the world is at our feet. Right, man, what's that career, that job, the school, marriage, life, all of those sort of things. And for me, that Proverbs 3, like I want to trust in the Lord with every ounce of my being and lean not on my own understanding, on my own education, on my own, all my own degrees that are hanging on the wall, not all of my own, all that sort of stuff. I'm leaning strong on him. Because many times faith overrides reason and education. I just got to go to this place of, God, I'm just trusting you on this one. And I thank God for my education, but God, you, you know, and you are the one that will make my path straight. You will make my steps firm. So I come to this high place of faith in him. You would probably look back on your own journey and say, you know what? The, the 17-year-old dreamer you probably wouldn't have figured out your life to be that. A boy from Rigdon doesn't marry a girl from the inner city of Kansas City. Move to greater Chicagoland area to go flip catfish in southeast Louisiana, New Orleans, to come back and pastor a Quaker church in his hometown. Who writes that story? It's weird, but God knows the paths, and he makes the ways. Where it seems like this thing is all over the place, God's like, this has been a straight path all along, brother. I've been taking you. The thing has just been next line upon next line. And in the same way, God, what's my next step? What's my next area of influence? I just want to encourage, maybe you're, you're on M&O here. You need to be thinking, you're the leadership of our, of our church. What's the next step of our church? M&O, are, are we going to pray and fast? And God, where, where do you have us going next? Christian Ed, what's the next thing we're doing in our, the training and discipleship? What's our next step? We need to start thinking in, in areas like that in children's ministry and youth ministry. What's, what's our next plan of, of attack missionally in our community? Our missions and outreach community, you are the visionaries of our mission and outreach. What's our next step? What's the next plan? Where are we going? What's, what's, what's happening? Our worship teams. What are we going to do next to take our people into a deeper place of intimacy with the Lord, to go deeper into the presence of God, where we can just hang and just tarry in his presence a little bit longer? What's your personal life looking like? You know what? Maybe I just need to get up that 15 minutes earlier, and I just need to spend some time with the Lord. That's a practical next step. Before I lay my head down at night, you know what? I just have a book. I just need to read one or two pages. I just need to go a little bit deeper, a little bit, just hang a little bit longer. 
A next step is not just listening to music in my car. I need to click on that podcast. I need words of life spoken into me and a vision that's pulling my heart to the next level. I need to maximize my time. What's one more practical step that I can take? You know what? Just my health. I just feel myself slowing down. I just can't go anymore. What's a practical step that I can take health-wise? I'll tell you my recent hack is beet powder. You can go look it up. A beet powder, it'll get you going. Don't, don't just eat it by itself. It tastes terrible. Throw it in a shake. But what is the next thing? What's my next step? I want to be excellent. I want to be sharp. And I want to be more and more like him. I'll tell you, for me, i got to get the right voices, the right people that are speaking those words of life into me. I look at maybe, I got this, some of our elders and our senior saints here. The next steps to give everything you got. Maybe it's pouring into our 20 and 30 year olds that are just kind of starting out life and marriage and kids. You now have the most wisdom that you've ever had in your life to give. And don't sit on it, but to give it away. So what's your next step as a, as a disciple maker? Matthew chapter 28, that you would go into all of the regions making disciples. And so don't just check out of making disciples. Maybe it's, maybe it's inviting a couple over after, dinner, after, after uh, uh, church for dinner. Maybe it's having somebody over on the weekend and just sharing your marriage story. Maybe it's sharing uh, how your spouse passed away and how you had to work through some hardships. Who knows what your story is, but as you begin to say, hey, there's a next step here that I can make an impact with. And not just continue to live the same day for 40 years and then check out. But let's go another step deeper. Perhaps you just hit 55 years old and you're getting that Medicare. You're getting that, that, uh, that little, little bump. Maybe you're 62 and you're getting that Social Security. Maybe you're 82 and you're saying, bro, I've been getting that for two decades now. Who knows what it is? But if you're in these different seasons of life, I want to, I'm begging you, don't check out but give back. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, it says this, Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they will succeed. Another translation says it this way, In a wealth of counselors, wisdom is not lacking. And so I need to seek those counselors out. Maybe you're a business owner, and you're saying, you know what, I just know that there's more, and God just want me to kind of scale this thing. I'll, I'll tell you, probably just about all the wisdom you need is in-house. There's a lot of sharp people in here. And you need to start accessing the, the, the beauty of our church family and saying, hey, can I just buy you coffee? And here's kind of where I'm at in my business. What would you say that our next moves I need to be making in the next 24 months? What do I need to be doing here in, in some of these areas? There's so much wisdom to be accessed. Come on, family. Take some next steps that you can become more and more like Jesus would have you become. Perhaps this conversation, as I share this, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, maybe it's even confusing. You're like, I just absolutely do not know. The, the interaction, that the inner conversation that you're having with uncertainty and, and the ambiguous right now is almost overwhelming. You're like, I don't know how to do this. Um, and it can be a little bit frustrating. Yesterday, I'm driving back from a wedding in Anderson. As I'm coming up, um, I'm driving north on Jackson Street. And there's about eight or nine lights in a row. And, and it's a, it's a thought-out light system where you can only go so fast and you get to hit the green lights the whole way. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's so smart that it's frustrating because I'm ready to go. And, 
and the guy behind me, just a cool 30 mile an hour all the way through and makes and then passes me. It's the tortoise and the hare. Oh, I was so frustrated. But also what I was looking at is I was looking down all of Jackson Street at eight red lights all the way. And it was a no, it was a no, it was a no, it was a no, it was a no. And you're thinking this business or this career or your next steps or what does retirement look like? And you see eight lights away and it's all a bunch of hardships and it's no's and it's all this sort of stuff. And what I just needed to focus on was just the next light. I just needed the next one. I just needed the next green light. And so instead of receiving all of next year's no's, just go with the next yes. And let's just open up this door. Also, to not be overwhelmed by no's, and we think that maybe God told us a no. Maybe it wasn't a no from God. It was just a no from Gary. <laughs> Gary said no. It doesn't mean that God said no. And let's just maybe go a different way. Also, maybe you're like, well, I tried that, and I failed, and I'm afraid of failure, and failure is fatal, and it's final. And No, failure was an event. It's not a person. You're not a failure. Just keep going. Just keep pressing in. Okay, what's the next step that I need to do? You didn't fail. It was just Tuesday, right? It was just a Tuesday. It was just normal. I fail. And now I get back up and we're going to keep going. And so just look at what's the next green light that I need to take. I need to read that book. I need to take that test. I need to apply for the job. I need to write the letters to my kids. I need to sit down with a voice recorder. I don't know what those are, but I'll tell you this, that you are being conformed to the image of the Son of God. And so is there anything that's not looking like the best of Jesus that maybe I could start taking some steps to power through. On this, there's two things that could, we could go one of two ways. There are doers and there are dwellers. Doers are the practitioners. Dwellers are the thinkers and the overthinkers and the overplanners. We dwell and we think and we process and I can't get the job yet because I got to get another degree and I got to get more training and I got to go do whatever and I got to get all of this sort of stuff. And then we get all of our training and we're a decade later when we could have just been a practitioner getting after it. I don't know what those things might look like in your life, but if you're going to take the trip, at some point you got to stop packing a suitcase and you got to buy a ticket. And then we just can't pack the suitcase for two years. At some point, we pack the suitcase, we buy the ticket, and then you got to get on the plane. And then once we're on the plane, we got to get the nose pointed in some sort of a direction, and we got to go. And maybe you feel like, okay, I got my suitcase packed, I got all my training, I got all my stuff, I got all my you know, years of experience, I got whatever I need to, to accomplish it, and I set sail, and here we go. And at some point, then guess what? you got to land the plane. And we're circling, and we're circling, and we're circling again. Let's do one more loop, and we're circling. you got to land that thing, right? This is my next step. Okay, you can read one more research book and get more knowledge if you want, or you can land the plane. And guess what? Whenever you land the plane, there's a certain time where you slow down, but right before you land, you actually gain speed. And I'll tell you, if you're, if you're kind of slow, slowing into it, can I just tell you, let's go. We just got to go. And I'll tell you maybe, you, maybe you do it and it's an ugly first start. Maybe you do it and it's, oh, man, I didn't say that right. I didn't do that right. Oh, that's not really the job that I want to do. Great. Then apply for a different one. I would just encourage you make some sort of a step. Make some sort of 
of a move. What's the, what's the next step? Man, I tried fasting and I couldn't make it for, you know, from, from breakfast to lunch. Oh man, I had to have brunch in between. Oh, I failed. Great. Try it again tomorrow. I just want to encourage you with the next step. What is the next step? Man, I tried doing that Bible reading plan and, you know, they're already into the third quarter now and I didn't, you know, I'm still, you know, figuring out which side, heads or tails on the quarter. I don't even know what's going on. I would just say, great, Genesis 1. Let's start. Let's take a step. Don't beat yourself up for who you're not. Just be excited that Jesus is inviting you with wobbly legs. And Okay, Jesus, here we go. Here's my next step. I'm just coming in. Okay? Jesus is mostly glad. He's not mostly mad. Okay? Okay? I like this. Ronnie does this right now. She'll tell me something, and then she'll go, okay? Okay? So I just want to tell you, Jesus is pumped that you're here. He created you. You're beautifully and wonderfully made. And now he's inviting you into more. Okay? Come on. Okay. Okay, here we go. And we're just going to take that, that next step. Man, Brock recommends all these different books every week, week after week after week. Man, I write them down. I don't remember any of them or I never read any of them. Just read one. Let's just start there. Let's just read that next book. Let's listen to one podcast. You're like, well, that was terrible. Great. And find your own. But find something. Let's go to the next. What's this next step? Let's buy the ticket, get on the plane. And we get in, the, the plane has to laser in on that landing strip. And we got to go. We got to land. Let me wrap with this. In the same sense that I talk about just how easy it is that we can just start taking some steps, I want to encourage a little bit of urgency that we don't delay too long, that we don't have death by delay, and we'll just put it off and I'll get around to it next year, I'll get around to it next year, but that we would get to it today. Death by delay can be something pretty heavy. This last week... I was doing some, it was two weeks ago, doing some cleaning up in our backyard. Judah and I, uh, we had a COVID project where we built a fort together with those, um, not slats, what are they called? Pallets. Thanks for knowing what we build them with. I knew if I could just kind of get you, somebody would take that next step for me. And so we built it with these pallets, and we got these pallets all over, and so we can crawl in. And then we don't personally use the safety net on our trampoline, so we use that as our roof. So we got this roof, and so we can like look up and see the stars and all this sort of stuff. And so we, I don't know how long it took to build this thing. And then we played in it once. And then it sat out there for a year and a half. And I'm like, no longer. So I begin to rip this thing out. And I'm unscrewing all these you know, screws. And I, I get this thing pulled out. And inside of the underneath and the grass and all these things, bunnies had come into our backyard and had burrowed into the ground and then laid eggs, right? Because the bunnies, the bunny eggs, right? No, is that Easter? I, I got it mixed up. But they had babies down in the ground. Cadbury, no? It's a Quaker thing. So now there's, now there's baby bunnies in our backyard, but I didn't know. So Judah's back there mowing and, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. The story doesn't get gross. Don't, don't take that next step. But as we mow through there, all this tall grass is gone, and these baby bunnies are exposed, and we see them. And so all of my kids are opposite of me, 
and they love every animal that's ever lived. And so they're going to take care, and the mama's not coming back, and we destroyed the nests and all this sort of stuff. So now they're going to nurture these bunnies, and we told them only until they're healthy enough, which I thought was two weeks. It's more like about a month or two. So anyway, then guess who has to go out and buy all the milk, has to buy all the, there's like wood pellets that you're supposed to get, and I don't know, different stuff. So I go to the pet's store, and I buy all the stuff. I was like, hey, got bunnies, and we just need the stuff. So they load me up with the stuff. I come back. They're feeding these bunnies out of an eyedropper, okay? And their eyes are closed. I mean, they literally are smaller than my hand, and we got two of them. At first, it was one. Wouldn't you know, bunnies multiplied like that. Now there's two. And so we're taking care of these bunnies. And so we're keeping them alive. And everywhere online, they're saying, you know, best of luck. They don't live longer than two weeks. And we're like, no, we're going to do it. And so we're going to overcome the odds. So we're feeding these bunnies. Whenever I say we, I mean everybody else but me are feeding these bunnies. And they're doing this whole deal. they got this bed set up. Well, now these bunnies are starting to grow. And they're sucking on this eyedropper. And they're coming alive. And they're grabbing little flowers and grass. And throwing. now these bunnies are starting to eat this. The bunnies are jumping out of the cardboard box. So then we get the, the kids' uh, uh, crib. Now they're in a kid's crib inside of Ronnie's bedroom with seeds and hay and all sorts of stuff. It smells like a barn in her bedroom. So you walk in, you're like, oh my gosh, Wrigley is like at, like at the door. He's ready to come in. So we do this whole thing with, with the bunnies. And they did a photo shoot with these bunnies. Alyssa thought it was the cutest thing. And so they're like, we're in a pair of bibs and they're stuck in their little pockets and whatever. Um, it was a little bit cute, Joe. I did have to kind of get a little bit warm on that. And here's what happened. I want to show you this video. This is what happened to one of the bunnies. Before we go there, um, Judah was so emotional that he actually played the piano for one of the bunnies. And the piano is playing in the background of this video. And I'll, I'll just tell you, one bunny didn't make it. And his name is Shy because when we would try to feed him, he would go like this, so he was shy. And so then we had to do a little bunny memorial. And so we're saying goodbye to Shy. And so Judas playing the piano for Shy at the memorial.
There it was. So now we're down to one bunny left, okay? And we're trying to get this bunny. We're like committed to get him back into the wild. So now we actually get to do grass time. So they get back used to grass. There's a whole theory behind this thing. Uh, you, you guys, it's so silly. But we're going to do it and we're going to make it happen. We might even have to video record whenever we launch little bunny back into the wild. But I'll tell you this. There was this moment where Alyssa said this. She goes, I'm so, it's so silly. So I'm so glad that we took the pictures before the bunny died because we had this little window to be able to take the pictures and then it went deeper and she said it made me think the last time all of our family was together in Kansas City we wanted to take a family picture and we said no we'll get to it later we'll do it another time and we all were rushing around we all were rushing around and we never did and then there was a tragic car accident and Elise is gone. And Hope is crippled, and she's in her wheelchair. And the marriage has fallen apart, and the family looks totally different. And she said, I wish we would have known. Had I known, could we have grabbed this last picture with Elise? Could we have gotten one more playtime with Hope? Could we have done this? We got to do it with bunnies. Why not our family? Right? And if I could just encourage you, could you do it today because you don't know if you have tomorrow? And to play big, stop playing small. Let's play, let's go for it. We want to be like Jesus, and He's got this dream for us, and we want to pursue it, and let's not delay this thing. If we know what we ought to be doing, let's get after it today. Let's get some voices in our life, let's get some people to speak into us, let's go for it. And maybe you're so stuck, you're like, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what the right move is next. Or maybe it's a scary move. I want to read some some pretty heavy words to you. Check this out. It says this. I've seen dark before, but not like this. This is cold. This is empty. This is numb. The life I knew is over. The lights are out. Hello, darkness. I'm ready to succumb. I follow you around. I always have. But you've gone to a place I cannot find. The grief has a gravity. It pulls me down. But a tiny voice whispers in my mind, You are lost. Hope is gone. But you must go on and do the next right thing. From the great philosophers of the Disney movie Frozen. They're inviting us to do the next right thing. I don't know anymore what is true. I can't find my direction. I'm all alone. The only star that guided me was you. How to rise from the floor. But it's not you I'm rising for. Just do the next right thing. Take a step and then step again. It is all I can do. The next right thing. I won't look too far ahead. It's too much for me to take. But break it down to this next breath, this next step. This next choice is one that I can make. So I'll walk through this night stumbling blindly toward the light and do the next right thing. And when it's done, what comes then? When it's clear that everything will never be the same again, 
And then I'll make the choice to hear that voice and do the next right thing. I want to encourage you, family. Let's muster our courage. Let's get some vision in our eyes. Let's know what that next thing is that I need to be doing to restore that marriage, to get after that relationship, to become a better disciple maker, to, to give my life away, to give more, to, to invest. What's the next right move that I need to be making? Because the vision is being like Jesus. So let's begin to practically walk this thing out. Don't delay your destiny. Would you all stand with me this morning as we close in prayer? Jesus, I pray that this would be a church that's steadily on the march. That we don't plateau, we don't stay, but we constantly are moving and constantly on the go toward you. Jesus, I pray that we would be more and more conformed to the image of the Son, that we would have an identity of who you are, and that we would practically systematically and aggressively walk this thing out to be more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.